0: But part of part of the issue, but also part of the outstanding result, was that they their their barrier to entry they made it so difficult and so high that what they ended up doing was Was getting the best, like the smartest, the smartest, the the people who had. They made it so difficult that everybody who got in was really smart and really really good. Welcome to Talk with History. I'm your host, Scott, here with my wife and historian, Jen. Hello. On this podcast, we give you insights to our history inspired world travels, YouTube channel journey, and examine history through deeper conversations with the curious, the explorers, and the history lovers out there. Now, before we get into our main topic, if you're watching the live stream or if you're listening to the podcast, if you're watching, give us a like, share the video. If you're listening, please leave us a review on, pot, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen, because the reviews truly help, and we're still trying to catch the History Channel and followers. <laughs> I think we've got a shot to, to reach their 10 million mark. Now, we are live streaming, so if you're listening to this... You can always catch us. We're gonna try to do this on Tuesday nights before our Wednesday video comes out. Yeah. So for those listening to the podcast, if you wanna watch the podcast version, um, the live stream, you can you can watch that on YouTube, ideally on Tuesday nights. So try checking that out. It might be a fun way to to watch this and to, and to listen to it. Although the podcast version is going to be a little bit more edited. I tend to add in some, some sound effects after the fact. Sure. So Jen, why don't you tell us a little bit about what we're talking about tonight for our video that's coming out tomorrow.
1: So our video tomorrow is very special. We're doing um, a video of the Tuskegee Airmen that are buried at Arlington National Cemetery.
0: That's right. So we got to go, this is something that we've actually wanted to do for a while. Yes. Um, We got the idea, I think we may have gotten the idea from like a follower that was asking us about I think we people think who were, who were buried there yes so we love getting feedback from anybody that follows us across you know all these platforms because yes. um, this is a great idea and once they planted that idea in our brains I, you just kind of ran wild with it um and I think there's something like 33 33 pe- mm-hmm. yeah 30. Tuskegee airmen that are that are buried there so let's kind of start from the beginning before we get to Arlington sure. Let's what's the kind of quick background if someone didn't know who the tuskegee airmen were or what they did what's what's the background there
1: sure so um a little background it started in 1941 this a bill was passed in 1939 there were no african-american military pilots before the tuskegee airmen and because of segregation in the military right. and by 1941 there was just a, a a need for for pilots There were and it was a need for people to fight in the war the war had been um going on and every able-bodied person wanted to fight and you had just some people who really were pushing for african-americans to give be given the opportunity to fly that's right and so the bill was passed in 1939 the funding was found and they started it at the tuskegee Institute, and that's why they get the term Tuskegee Airmen because Tuskegee gets tied together with African American education because of Booker T. Washington. Mm-hmm. It's where the Tuskegee Institute is at. Booker T. Washington was a former enslaved man who started this university that was world renowned and c- credible for African Americans to study and just to be seen as quality. With the, um, with with white people at the time. So what was interesting about the Tuskegee experiment is is they took the best of the best. So these African American pilots. It's almost like what they did with the women is you had to have flying experience.
0: Well, and I think I saw something. I don't know if this is a quote from one of the pilots, but part of part of the issue, but also part of the outstanding result was that they their their barrier to entry they made it so difficult and yes. so high yes. that what they ended up doing was, was getting the, best. the like the smartest the smartest pe- the, like, the people who have, they made it so difficult yes. that everybody who got in was really smart and really really good,
1: good. and so most people had to have flying experience. And that's what was unique about Tuskegee Tuskegee Institute because they had started a civilian flying program in 1939. So for two years, they were training pilots. And so these men who were learning aerodynamics and learning how to fly... Just came in and they were engineers and doctors yeah. and very smart, used to stress, used to taking these exams, very, very, very physically fit. So like you said, it was because they made it so stringent, they were the best. And then they could really lean on each other Yeah. to motivate each other. So, and they weren't getting the best aircraft to fly, right? right? And they weren't, but because they were so good, they were able to adapt. Yeah. And they wanted to prove themselves, right? Anyone who has that calling to want to be a pilot, like you, want to
0: you want to prove yourself. I found that point so interesting when I was doing a, a little bit of lookups before we started this mm-hmm. tonight. Was that I mean, it's almost like military in colleges today. Yes. Right. The, the the standards are so high that you're naturally going to get, you know, the high quality. Now, the reason that they made it back then. In 1941, so high is because they were trying to keep people out.
1: Yeah, so they thought if they could make these
0: make it so difficult, these
1: yeah these criteria so hard, there wouldn't be African Americans that could meet it. Right, but that's not true. Right, there were Af- there were definitely African Americans that could meet it between 1941 and 1946. 966 African American men completed the military pilot training at, at Tuskegee. So. Almost a thousand men. Yeah. were able to meet this.
0: Yeah, the the one thing that what they were trying to use against them mm-hmm. actually ended up paying off yes. because they, you know, to fast forward very briefly, they did so well mm-hmm. in their 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 overall record as Tuskegee Airmen as a squadron and yeah. all that stuff as a, as a protection squadron was so good mm-hmm. that they were that it was basically like a shining star that everybody could point to. Yes, that they were like, look, we can not only can we hang with you know, the rest of the, the white pilots, but we're better than everybody else. Yeah. We're, I mean, we're, our record is better. Like you cannot say that African-Americans can't be military pilots.
1: No, statistically, they were better than their white counterparts. And so I think, you know, looking back hindsight, I think it was helpful that they were all together, yeah. like their squadrons were together and they became the red tails, you know, to distinguish themselves. But I think it helped to build that camaraderie. Yeah. And as, as we learned with Band of Brothers in the um, the previous episode, that when you get with a group of people who can really lean on each other for when you're low and they're high, yeah. it helps you move together as a group. And that's what happened with the Tuskegee Airmen.
0: Yeah. So now you mentioned the Red Tails. So you talk a little bit about kind of what the Red Tails were and what they did during the war.
1: So what we show in the video and you'll see is we give you some clips from the movies. And there's two... Pretty big movies about yep. the Tuskegee Airmen. One's called Tuskegee Airmen. I saw it and I think it was in college when it came out. 90- Nin- 1995. 1995. And it has some big names in it. Cuba Ga- Cuba Gooding Jr., mm-hmm. Lauren Fishburne. Yeah. And that movie is more about the training and kind of leading up to when they started to escort bombers into right. Germany. And then there's Red Tails, which is more of a current movie. 2000- 20, 2012. 2012. And that's more after training and then all the flying that they did because it's much more aerial
0: Well, in in 2012 right (laughs) we're back in the era of cgi cgi so they can show a lot so one of the cool things from an editing perspective was when jen starts talking about what the red tails did Mm -hmm. during the war and what these if you don't know a lot of military aviation history and and i didn't know as much obviously and like Mm -hmm. i say every single time until i made this video with you was these Bomber squadrons, right? They, they relied heavily on the bombers to drop bombs to on drop German, bombs, uh, Germans yeah. and stuff like that. But the bombers weren't very maneuverable.
1: They're not maneuverable and they're not very defend. They don't have really have good defense.
0: Right. They've mechanisms. got like one kind of turret, but they're pretty stationary. They got to yes. kind of stay on course. Yes.
1: So they know. can't really defend themselves when the when the German fighters come at them. They're basically sitting ducks. And that's why they would send so many bombers because yeah. they thought, oh, if we can just infiltrate you with a ton of bombers, we'll lose some. Yeah.
0: And they would send, you know, squadrons like like the yes. the Red Tails. So you
1: get fighter squadrons to escort them. right? And fighter squadrons would escort them for, you know, small periods of time as long as they could. Their gas tanks are smaller. And then they would have to turn back. And so that is what the German fighters were hoping for, that they right. would turn back and then they could shoot these these aircraft down, well, they were losing too many bombers. So that's when the Tuskegee Airmen were called up to help escort a flight into Berlin. And this is where they kind of at first make their name and then they're they're escorts for the rest of the war. Now, most squadrons, as you know, will have like a squadron patch or some kind of nose art or some kind of something that Brings you all together as a group, right? You can kind of look at it as something that you know we can it's all the squadron symbol. Yeah, we can yeah. all stand behind. We're all. You know, I mean,
0: and, what what were some of yours when you were flying?
1: I was a black scorpion. Right. I was a war eagle. Um, you, you you get diff- and you get different things, and you get different like call signs and um, for your for your aircraft, and you can you have different aircraft to get painted, different things, yep. and so. I think they were looking for something to connect them all. Yep. And because these are older aircraft too, they're constantly getting maintenance, constantly getting painted. You know, a painted aircraft is lower drag because you're painting. And so they were like, let's make all these tails red. Let's distinguish ourselves. Let's, let's build some camaraderie amongst ourselves. Let's, let's, you know, show them that we're like a brotherhood. And so that's what, was very distinguishable from the air. So when the bombers first saw them coming up and they're flying the P-51s, the Mustangs, they have these red tails. And to get close enough to see someone's skin color is probably not even a factor. And so they, they saw these red tails and these red tails would stay with them longer, would not let bombers get shot down. They were not afraid to engage with the enemy. And so they were requested more. And so when they started to get requested more, people want to live, right? People want to survive a yeah. bombing raid. Yeah. And so we want the Red Tails. We want the, those guys who stay with us. We want those guys who are fighters, unbeknownst that they were the African-American squadron. So yeah. they made their name on performance. Yep. And that is what's just so amazing is it's all merit. And... Um, and so it's just, it's a great story. It's about, you know, desegregation and the story of America. I just really love what they did together as a group and how they, you know, broke down racial barriers. And you have individual ones who did individual things that we talk about at Arlington, some who got out of the military, but some who went all the way and really broke barriers Um in the military in their military service so it was just a great honor yeah
0: hear. and i think one of the things kind of before we move on to to arlington that i liked about this too that really made sense when it, it came to the fact that they were able to do this right to break through you know some of the early walls of segregation was you're in the military and you've talked about this for other military issues that that pop up even nowadays ultimately it's about living or dying you do not care what color the person is what they wear who how they, they love who they love like you don't care if you could keep me alive and so i can yeah. fly this this b-29 bomber or whatever it is so i can drop my bomb and you keep that guy from shoot me down i don't care what you look like
1: yeah People, people talk about we. We've had this conversation before, that people in the military are interested in those kind of things. The only thing we're really interested in is survival.
0: Yeah. Can you get the job done? Can
1: you get the job done? Can you help me survive? Can you? Can we? Can I count on you? Can you count on me? That's it.
0: Yeah. If you can do that, great. Great. <laughs> awesome. You're part of the team. Yeah.
1: And so that's how I think women have proven themselves. Um, anybody who is just of a different group or different ideal—if you are just there for the same reasons of survival and to get the job done—and you have that same um, ideal of the of the America American experiment, then then yeah,
0: yeah. So, and that was one of the things that I had never really thought about till kind of I started making this and Mm -hmm. I started seeing some of the clips. I didn't watch a ton of the Red Tails ones, but the Tuskegee Airmen one. I mean, it's. You know, it was came out in nineteen ninety five. It's still really good. There's some phenomenal actors in that. Mm-hmm. They have some great kind of speeches, and and you'll recognize a bunch of the actors yeah. and, and newer Very stuff good. from nowadays. That was, I think that one was a little bit better than the more modern. Red it Tales
1: came out one. on HBO. I think it's a lot more dramatic. Yeah, and it was a, I think an HBO made movie. Yeah, I, I and don't I think know. it's still on HBO if you're interested. It's but it good. is. It has. It's more of that camaraderie. They're yeah. all coming together. Red Tails is much more. It's a Disney movie.
0: Oh, I didn't realize that.
1: And so it's a lot more of the this, this story, but I think as a bigger group yeah. than these individual stories, which yeah. I think
0: is a lot more. So that's kind of the the background mm-hmm. now. You, we mentioned in the beginning that there's 33 buried there. 33. And we didn't make a 16 hour long video. Yeah, to, it's, to it's find pretty long all thir- To find all 33. Yeah. So we we ended up visiting. I think it was nine. Nine. Now now let's talk about a couple that kind of. I like we don't have to talk about all nine of them, but what who are a couple sure. that you want to kind of call some? Well, with? I
1: just want to talk to you about like we went to sections that had more of them buried, right? So that's kind of how we figure. You know, we went to sections that had there when we I mapped out all the sections. We went to sections that would have like three Tuskegee Airmen in there. It buried there. And then we went to the the monument, right. which is in section 46 by the tomb of the unknown. So if, how we decided who to visit, that's kind of how we, we did it. Um, and we see um, some of the more well-known uh, pilots. So one of the people that we see is, I would say not as well-known, but his story is so unique yeah. that he was shot down in 1944 mm-hmm. and he was killed but his body was recently buried in 2019.
0: Yeah. They, so they didn't even, if I remember right, they didn't discover his remains mm-hmm. until 2018,
1: 2018. And which I appreciate about America's government is we, and I know for a fact that they do this. Cause even when I worked at the MacArthur Memorial, there were people researching the Pacific side and trying to bring home Americans who were killed in action. So, um, never stop looking 1944 to 2019 found his body found his remains and then there was a ring in the remains i
0: think it's like a ring he his wife had given
1: his him. wife had given him yeah. it was engraved they were able to positively identify and then his dna was matched to his daughter yeah. and then the, he had a burial at arlington yeah. national cemetery in section 60 mm-hmm. he had full honors he had four jets fly over yeah. And uh, he's buried like not far away from Colin Powell.
0: That was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. That was that the the seeing the Colin Powell one because I I'll be perfectly honest, I don't know if we want to talk about him now yeah. or at the end, but um I didn't. I knew that he had passed away, but I didn't realize it was 2021, right? As of recording right now, yeah. it's November of 2022. So it was just over a year ago. Yeah, he's and, in a newer and, grave. And, in, and in, in section 60, section mm-hmm. 60, is, it's, it's huge. It's a big section. But it's at the very front. And so there's really nobody buried in front of him or there's no headstones really too near to him. No. So here's Colin Powell, the first African-American secretary of state, That's right? Amazing. And on all this other stuff he did.
1: And he has a... Basic white yep. tombstone, like like most people have in Arlington. Now, Colin Powell could probably rate the bigger, more ornate tombstones that we we show on this video because there are some generals that yep. have bigger tombstones. Yep. But it's such a testimony to Colin Powell. It reminds me a lot of uh, Art of Audie Murphy. Yeah, very humble in sixty with his troops around him. Yeah, with a uh, with a just a normal white. Headstone.
0: Yeah. And you even talk about in the video kind of how I think he was born, you know, in New York. New York with uh, immigrant ja- parents. Yeah. Immigrant parents. They were Jamaican, kind of came from not really anything and joined the military. Mm-hmm. Did he go to West Point?
1: Mm-hmm. And he used the military. To yeah. make his dreams come true. It was his springboard and he was very successful. Um, what I talk about in the video is uh, the Andy Lieberwitz picture. That's right. Right? Because we talk about that Andy Lieberwitz picture. Because for me, growing up, that picture was just, it just resonated with me because it was the president, secretary of state, um, secretary of defense, and it was uh, Condoleezza Rice. So you have Rumsfeld, Condoleezza Rice. You have Colin Powell, all in this picture, Dick Cheney, like uh, your president, vice president, secretary of state, secretary of defense. Um, and I just really loved they're all in there standing around him. And it just, to me, bring, putting the good leadership around you. Now, what I learned about that picture when yeah, we talk this, about Yeah, this is interesting. Is Annie Leibovitz, she had people stand in for them and like- and posed them and worked on the lighting. Because if you look at that picture, it looks very kind of like everyone's kind of standing in a different way. Kind of Lisa Rice is sitting on a, the desk with her legs crossed. You know, Bush has his hands in his pockets. You know, um, Colin Powell is kind of turned, turned to the side. So she had people stand in those positions. And you know, set the scene because to get all those people in one room, she really only had like one minute.
0: Yeah, you, you're basically one getting, minute of time. To you're you're like, hey, can I have you know the primary <laughs> leaders for the White House staff in one room? To, in one room, so I can take a picture, mm-hmm. right? And you literally, okay, you you Annie Leibovitz, right? As famous as she is, you get sixty seconds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, oh yeah. okay. Oh, my goodness. So she how, how am I, so I going to do they this? They walked
1: in. She put them there, took the picture.
0: And you even said that, like, she, I just thought this was in, an interesting aside, you know, but you said, like, not only did she find people to stand in, but, like, same skin color, yeah. same size, yes, same kind of, of, of Clothing. All, all the stuff.
1: We got to see what they were wearing that day. Yeah. And then because she, doesn't, she didn't tell them what to wear. Yeah. Just what were they wearing that day? Then she got it all and worked on. Yeah. The I, I just, I thought that was. just an aside. But yeah. something about Colin Powell was just so neat to be there by Dixon's grave. The, the one that I really liked going to was um Daniel Chappie, James. Yep. I really enjoyed going to his grave because he had some really great Great quotes.
0: Yeah. And he was, if I remember correctly, I think the first four star African American general in the armed forces, period. Period. Right. The very first, first four star
1: military general, yeah. African American, period. And he was in the military and high ranking during civil rights. So not only was he a Tuskegee Airman, not only did he lead Tuskegee Airmen, he was an officer leading Tuskegee Airmen. But during the murder of Dr. Martin Luther King and the riots were erupting, um, people were asking him, you know, young African-Americans were asking him, well, how do you feel about this? You know, aren't you upset? And he's like, I'm not disgusted. I'm a citizen of the United States of America. I'm no second class citizen and no man here is unless he thinks like one and reasons like one and performs like one. This is my country and I believe in her and I will serve her and I'll contribute to her welfare whenever and however I can. If it has any wills, I'll stand with her until in God's given time through her wisdom and through her consideration for the welfare of the entire nation, she will put them right. And I loved that. And there's a stanza of it on the back of his headstone. Yeah. But I loved that because what he's saying is, I love my country and I deserve to fight for my country and to lead my country as much as anyone else. And I don't think any differently about myself and yeah, my country is going to have issues and problems like anybody else will, but I stand by the ideal of it and that's what I fight for. And that's what I stand for. And I appreciate that so much because that's really, that resonates with me about how I felt about my service to my country.
0: Yeah. And for someone like that too, I mean, talk about one, someone who again just like Colin Powell used the the military to to succeed and be that shining star and example for what can be done. You know, he has that quote, mm-hmm. but he'd been living that quote for his entire career. Yep. Right? He was a pilot for in the as a Tuskegee Airman. I mean, I you can find you can still find clips of him on YouTube. I didn't end up using him in the video, but you can find clips of of him in 19 19- 70 or you know whatever you know whenever he was he was still in like he's getting interviewed on some news show.
1: they interview him and they ask him what's your proudest accomplishment in the united states military right i think, I think what stands that, out to you
0: i think that was i think that was the other oh i thought yeah, that was davis that was like the other four-star James. general oh he was the he was the later oh okay four-star gen
1: but i loved that i loved what he said then too yeah
0: so the other one was i think i i wrote it in the notes over there um at, at the davis? bottom it was Davis. Um, Benjamin, yes. Benjamin Benjamin
1: Davis Jr., first Brigadier General in the United States Air Force. Yeah. Yeah. And his was, what's your proudest accomplishment in the United States military? Like, what stands out to you? That's right. And I don't think the reporter was expecting this but, answer. Uh, the yeah.
0: fact that uh, back in World War II, uh, uh, we had
1: an all-Negro fighter group that I commanded and uh, later a, a medium
0: bombardment group. Uh, the success that these two units met, particularly the fighter group in uh, combat in North Africa, Sicily, and Italy uh, meant that uh, the people who were in it would have a firm place in the United States Air Force. Uh, I think without question this has to be uh, so very, very important that uh, it's the most important thing that happened to me uh, during my uh, career.
1: But he said being a Tuskegee Airman, yeah, and leading these men in flight because there he's getting interviewed like in the '60s. It was I was
0: 1970. <laughs> 1970. That, that clip was 1970.
1: So for the for him to say, oh, "My proudest accomplishment was being a Tuskegee Airman." 20 years ago, but yeah. still that was that is what he still remembered and resonated with him. I thought that was so cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. So here he is saying, "Hey, 25 years ago mm-hmm. and he was actually the commanding officer." Yeah. So he not only was he pi- a pilot, but he was the commanding officer of the T- Tuskegee Airmen. So mm-hmm. he led that unit.
1: And there were only I think two African American officers in Tuskegee. Yeah. Um so when you think about it, who's training all these men are usually white pilots and most of them are racial segregationists like they're not they kind of want the experiment to fail right so they're not doing them any favors they're not helping them out and so then you have these uh, you know two african-american officers who are not only dealing with that but then trying to train and then trying to protect you know it's just a very interesting situation to be in but that's leadership and that's overcoming and so i really think you know, he was another one we were very honored to visit. And what's interesting about Davis is his father is not far from him. That's right. And his father also was a general in the army, I believe. Yep. And so, you know, he sees his father's African-American. He's a general in the army and he's like with Theodore Roosevelt. Yeah. You know, I think so, it was like
0: Spanish-American war yeah. or something like that.
1: <laughs> and so he is making his name for himself and he's like one of the first... African American brigadier generals um, in the army, army yeah. and so he's seeing that. That's a very good example for him to become a general in the air force. I always think that you know, if you believe you can do it, and if you do it, if you're not if if there's no concessions made for you, and you're meeting the criteria of everybody else, then you feel that confidence. And why shouldn't I be here? Yeah, I I did it. I should be here like everybody else.
0: No, it, it that, that was. It was neat visiting these graves and seeing these the firsts right and learning about them and and each time I thought it was actually interesting that that you um, would would talk about how many combat missions they flew yeah and I, and one of the interesting things from that and you you'll see it if you ever watch the 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 Tuskegee Airmen movie is they talk about how white pilots would usually fly home after about 50 combat missions mm. Mm-hmm. Right. And the Tuskegee Airmen, and they talk about this in the movie, and, and I didn't connect it until just now. You talk about this, this he flew 130, 140, 160, 160. sea combat missions. Mm-hmm. And in the in the movie, that's one of their points, right? Is is uh I think it's actually somebody portraying Benjamin Davis, you yeah. know, as the commanding officer of the Tuskegee Airmen. He's a- addressing some congressional members, and John Lithgow was kind of the, the antagonist, yes. you know. And he's saying, oh, there's Malays, and you guys have this record. And he's saying, you know, the white pilots are sent home after 50 missions. We've been out there because they don't know what to do with us. Yes, They just keep flying. Here they are, like you said, flying two, three, almost four times as many missions and still having the record that they have. It's just incredible. And I didn't really think about it until... Just now, yeah, and you because you call it out in every single one, you talk about sure. through this so many combat missions.
1: I want to give them credit for their missions, especially Archer. We go to Archer's grave, um, Lee Archer Jr., he's considered an ace. That's now, right. there is some controversy around that. I do want to say there are some historians who question the fifth um aircraft that he shot so down. So, what's,
0: what's the ace criteria? So I talk
1: about that in the video to be considered an ace in the military, you have shot down five enemy aircraft. So five aircraft makes you an ace. So Archer, Lee Archer, is considered one of the first African-American aces in the military. Now, he shot down three enemy aircraft in one day. And there's no disputing the fourth. But it's the fifth that comes into question because he shot it down with another aircraft. Yeah. And no one knows exactly who gets credit for that. That that yeah. kill basically right. so um so four and a half but he is considered an ace and so um I la- I I kind of educate about what an ace is and then pay him some respects being there in in his presence. I also wear my leather jacket for this video. I yeah. mean it's beautiful in fall in oh Arlington. If you can visit Arlington in the fall, it's. It's breathtakingly beautiful. Yeah, If means. if
0: you're listening to our podcast, if you're one of our podcast listeners, after you're done watch, listening to this podcast, go watch the video because the footage we were able to get at Arlington in the fall was just gorgeous. It's gorgeous. It leaves changing colors all over the ground. Yes. It just made it so picturesque.
1: But I wore my leather jacket. Now, for those of you who don't know, I was a naval aviator in um, and I, uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom, Operation Enduring Freedom. But when you get your wings, you get your leather jacket, right? And it's kind of, think about Top Gun and Tom Cruise's, all the patches. Well, the Tuskegee Airmen all got leather jackets. And at the time, in the 40s, when you were a naval aviator, everyone gets a leather jacket. Not because it's cool, because you're flying in an open cockpit. Yeah. And an open cockpit, all their trainers were open cockpit. Now, the P-51 is closed, but um, it's freezing when it's open cockpit and even closed cockpit, they're flying during the winter in Germany. It's not like you have these high heaters in your aircraft. Yeah. And so you're freezing cold wearing your leather jacket and the leather jacket does keep you very warm. I flew with it over the Rockies, um, in a, in a D 34, which is a very cold aircraft as well. And I was, I was nice and toasty, but I talk about the significance of me wearing it. I did it, you know, now Naval avi- aviators get the leather jacket, um, ceremonially because it's what, other naval aviators have gotten now it is part of your uniform you can wear it with your flight suit but there is no criteria for the patches so some pilots will put tons of patches on some pilots will put none i have two so it's something that you can really individualize for yourself but um, i wanted to wear it to honor the tuskegee airmen because they all wore their leather jackets in training so i just thought it was something that i could do to honor them
0: yeah, no, it it was it was a very fun video. I highly encourage anybody listening, watching tonight, to watch it when it comes out on Wednesday. If you're watching the live stream, that's tomorrow. If you're listening to the podcast, it's already out. Uh, when you're done listening, uh, go go find us on YouTube and and watch the video. I thought it was apropos that we were able to do this for Veterans Day. Yes. Um, so it was a it was a really nice way for us to kind of pay tribute to to other veterans, right? Obviously you're a veteran I'm still in, um, but it was a nice way for us to pay tribute to, to veterans and a very unique kind of set of veterans.
1: Sure. We want to honor those that came before us and paved the way for us and broke barriers and, you know, just, and what they did for America. I mean, they're the greatest generation and not only are they the greatest generation, but they were breaking such racial barriers at the time and defending our country. So I just feel like they deserved to be honored for Veterans Day.
0: Yeah. And there's a a whole lot more that we didn't talk about uh, tonight in the podcast. It's coming out on the video. So if you're watching the live stream or listening, go check it out. Thank you for listening to the Talk With History podcast. And please reach out to us at our website, talkwithhistory.com. But more importantly, if you know someone else that might enjoy this podcast, please share this with them, especially if you think that today's topic would interest a friend. Shoot them a text and tell them to look up the Talk With History podcast because we rely on you, our community to grow, and we appreciate you all every day. We'll talk to you next time.
1: Thank you.